Before we begin, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the class. I've personally taken a few of these classes, and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion, but wanting more. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. I'll see you there. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard. Okay, good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Richard Listen Show. Thank you for being present with me. You can tell that I barely had my morning coffee, and it's 10.30, so uh, we're on quarantine schedule here, where uh, we forget what day it is, we forget what time it is, um, and uh, I got caught binge-watching another episode of Ozark, so... Um, that's my excuse, and, and uh, my guests today are going to probably hammer out excuses, being an athlete and keeping routines during this time of uh, quarantine. Uh, before I introduce my two amazing guests today, uh, it does feel like, you know, we're, we're doing a lot of discussions on transitions, and uh, we've gone from uh, transition into kind of a holding pattern here as our quarantine extends. So I think that uh, I'm really grateful to uh, my guests who share more insight on how to continue to cope and provides new strategies as this period of time uh, extends, how to adjust ourselves mentally, emotionally. It's natural for anyone uh, of any capacity, strength, skill, income level to be experiencing uh, some sort of, you know, emotional roller coaster on a daily basis. So we hope to get to uh, covering that. Uh, my guests today are uh, representing the Pre-Pro Institute, and they will be discussing how they help athletes collectively as a team. They've got a solid team over there of multidisciplinary practitioners from acupuncturists to psychiatry. Uh, if we weren't in social distancing, I might wander in myself for some of their services. The two gentlemen uh, joining today, we have Dr. Maxwell uh, Rappaport, and we also have with us Dr. Aaron Smith. Um, I'll let them toot their own horns, but uh, both of these gentlemen I've discovered uh, trained at the Tarzana Treatment Center, where I also got uh, some postdoctoral training, so I'm excited to hear about that. 
uh, Dr. Rappaport's interest in sports psychology and is working with young adult populations with particular focus given to the intercollegiate athlete, anxiety disorders, and dual diagnosis. His interest in sports and performance psychology began with his own athletic career, so I hope he'll share a little bit about his journey and expand as he began to treat uh, NCA athletes to help maximize mental and physical congruence. I love that term uh, in, in looking for uh, alignment. And with us as well, Dr. Aaron Smith, um, trained at University of Wisconsin Hospital and Clinics, American Family Children's Hospital, and Wisconsin Psychiatric Institute and Clinics. What a resume! And his journey, like many athletes uh, that I've really been inspired by, came from a rupture of his own Achilles tendon. Uh, so um, I hope he'll share with us his own healing process, what he noticed, what was there, what was important, what was missing. As we know, that really triggers uh, what we see we need to fill in the world. Dr. Aaron has cultivated unique insight into how biological, psychological, behavioral, and cultural factors contribute uh, to physical functioning and overall wellness. Um, so uh, gentlemen, uh, without further ado, let me make sure that you're both uh, unmuted here or that our organizer has. Okay, go. gentlemen, without further ado, thank you for your patience, being prepared early on time like good athletes always are. <laughs> thank you for being here. Thanks for having thank, us. Thank you for having us. Yes, it's a pl privilege. Yes, I thank you. You guys are great using LinkedIn, reaching out and connecting. And I'm glad I added podcast host to my LinkedIn title because I'm like, all right, you know, this is this is expanding. It's, it's interesting where my guests are coming from. And especially in this time, who's making themselves available. And I can judge by your camera views that are you guys and I looked at the website. You guys are also in telemedicine mode right now. We yes, are. we are. Yeah, we, we have our office over in Glendale, um, Virginia Hills Hospital, but yeah, we made the tr transition just like everyone else over to the telemedicine to kind of adapt to the, the new quarantine and the, the COVID-19. So our, our services are fully uh, telemedicine ready at this point as well. Yes. Yeah. And how does that impact? I mean, especially the importance of you work in a team environment. I assume there's team meetings. Um, uh, Dr. Clifford Feldman, I believe, is your, your medical director, reached out to me originally. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you maintain a sense of uh, team and uh, treatment plan and, and letting the clients know that you're still there for them, uh, even though the physical space they're used to coming to is not, is not available? Typically, we're pretty good up front as far as even notifying any clients that come through the Pre-Pro Institute uh, that when they come in, they're not just getting one-on-one -on -one intervention with us, they are getting the full treatment uh, from a multidisciplinary team. And with that, that includes frequent communication uh, with the, the clients or the athletes themselves, uh, oftentimes it's on a weekly basis, and then we're constantly reviewing treatment plans because athletes, you know, are pretty, pretty good at receiving feedback and actually appreciate having timely feedback. So we're, we're mindful of having uh, consistent and continuous care uh, as direct providers. And so what we do to translate that uh, remotely is by having regular meeting times, not only with the team itself, we do check in with one another, make sure that we're having uh, the appropriate level of time dedicated to our, our, our athletes and or clients. And then we also frequently check in. Max and I also check in maybe multiple times 
throughout the day to see how we're also doing as providers, making sure that we have support for the support systems. And that helps us stay not only connected, but also having a healthy engagement with ourselves and checking in with ourselves, making sure that we're giving the best that we can to our athletes. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, that's an important thing, you know, the, the idea of like meeting around the water cooler or in between right. sessions, even like two minutes about, right, did you see the game last night or March Madness, what a great farming, I mean, something that keeps us, you know, normal or connected. Uh, mm -hmm. We're lacking that as well as clinicians. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's right. kind of weird, right? You know, we pull up the green screen or like I'm back in like, you know, making lunches for people and, you know, I'm forgetting <laughs> which hat. I'm wearing as a clinician, so so I really appreciate when I talk to somebody else as a provider, is you know, ask you that question: How, how are you doing? Uh. <laughs> yeah, we check in with each other uh, all the time, frequently, as Aaron was saying. And I think the other thing about um, what Dr. Smith was saying also is that we've increased the amount of communication, I think, as well with our athletes, with our clients too. As the the paradigm shifts, um, you know, weekly check-ins, but also sometimes I've been sending some emails to certain clients uh, a little more frequently just to double check and see how everyone's doing, how everyone's holding up. Um, especially, you know, depending on specific circumstances that some clients or some athletes might have, um, that might place them at a little bit more, um, you know, risk at the moment or just kind of struggling a little bit more intensely. So um, just kind of, you know, making sure that everyone is kind of feeling uh, held by us and also kind of, you know, uh, communicated by us and with us and also just kind of noting that um, we're there for them regardless of what the kind of external circumstances might be and, and the continuity and uh, continuation of care um, goes uninterrupted. So I think that's just a really important kind of message to send as well that um, we're fully functional and uh, as kind of the time went on and we saw that this thing was not uh, abating, that it was something that was going to have to be uh, continued by us uh, on a regular basis. So that's something I think that's important, not only checking in with each other, but um, also for our, our whole roster. What a strong yeah, organizational message and leadership message. And I want to get to the question of the day about uh, the situation we're in and how, you know, specifically, you know, we can help athletes and, and leave them with some tips and tools, uh, you know, but, but my focus is always on the providers that do the work and, and on the organization you also chose to, to work for. So let's start with, uh, you know, the pre-pro institute. So are, are, are you preparing athletes, uh, you know, are there, are the athletes coming that are collegiate level, high school level, or are you helping pro athletes and is it to deal with the performance side or is it to help them uh, with underlying, you know, we talk about stigma. We, we heard last year, mm -hmm. DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Love talking about anxiety and, and things that are going on with professional athletes and more and more it's becoming normal, but we know that for most athletes, it isn't safe to come out. Uh, are you, are you leaving it open for which other angle? So what is the focus of, of the pre-pro incident? What draw you, you gentlemen to work? Sure. Uh, I'll take first on transition to Aaron. So, um, at the pre-pro institute, yeah, we, we focus on the whole person on the whole, the whole client. So, um, they come in for a variety of different reasons, um, which can run the gamut from just, you know, sheer performance or sports psychology interests and, um, increasing their performance and, and ability, but also for more general clinical matters. Um, and also things that are kind of ancillary to the sport world as well, including, you know, family relationships, um, kind of struggling in other domains in their life, any kind of other psychosocial domains. So um, it's something that we kind of focus on as an entire person, an entire being, because we kind of, you know, feel that um, one can't perform at their best, uh, whether it's athletically or irregardless of other areas in their life, if they're not kind of having that foundational groundwork set for themselves 
um, in different domains. So again, if it's family, if it's financial, we also have a financial therapists over the Prepro Institute that focuses specifically on psychological and financial impacts, um, especially as maybe athletes transition from uh, being you know amateur leagues to, to professional. And so as, as you were mentioning, we work with kind of all athletes across the spectrum, whether or not they're um, just getting started in their athletic journey and their development, all the way up to more serious high school athletes, um, intercollegiate NCAA athletes, and then into the professionals as well. So we see, and you mentioned this word earlier, we see the transition or the adjustment as a massive piece um, of that uh, aspect of, of the psyche for, the, for an athlete. So, um, you know, it's a whole new situation. It's a whole new scenario going from um, minor leagues to professional play, regardless of what sport it is. And so we take into consideration every um, element that might be not only in the presenting problem that they bring to us, but also trying to kind of surmise and also kind of, you know, be a little bit of, of a leader in the sense of some things that may be important to kind of focus on um, for them in the future and also kind of things to look out for. So there's no kind of uh, unavoidable pitfalls that we can kind of take care of. So um, yeah. that's an initial kind of idea about it. Yeah. And, and, and I, you know, you, you'll appreciate and, and, and forgive my cutting you gentlemen off when you say something that, that, that lights up my, my brain, but, you know, I think, we often, you know, I'm glad that Dr. Aaron in his intro, you know, he mentions, you know, examining elements of culture. And the more I go along and in my own, you know, clinical career, you realize uh, cultural blind spots or if you're raised in one part of the world or country and, and don't have exposure, maybe we haven't examined the fullness. And so uh, in, in hosting a couple of upcoming panels for retiring athletes, the financial element always comes up. and you know, uh, I think it's been talked about is like, there's also kind of a guilt if you do then go to make a lot of money and, and you came from not a lot of money. So those experiences may not be one that we've experienced as, as clinicians. And yet as athletes, all of a sudden having to manage going from scarcity to large sums and then having to learn how to manage it, it may not be in that wheelhouse. So I'm really glad that you guys include that as part of the resources or coaching uh, that you provide. To athlete. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And to help piggyback off what uh, Dr. Max just shared, uh, understand that we are promoting uh, the value of the person and not the role or what someone does because the sport, although meaningful, it is not the sum value of the person. And so what we want to do is first and foremost foster a setting that is conducive to safety, respect, compassion, so that these other interventions and skills can be developed and nurtured in a, in a safe way. So we utilize, and you may see this as we get further into the podcast, humor is a large part of our engagement. <laughs> uh, because you know, if you're not feeling comfortable with us, then it makes it that much harder to develop the rapport and the trust that's needed, similar to other skills or communication with other teammates, our coaches, our parents, our partners. And so we, we take into consideration, this is not just sport development, this is life development. Mm -hmm. Do you find a lot of athletes that are coming in that are so serious as athletes that, that when you try and intervene or support their development as a whole person, that there's, you know, resistance there or, are they, they, you know, they, they're not ready for you to just, you know, make it normal for them to, to goof around or be silly or, or you feel like they're really desperately wanting that? I think it depends. I do think that regardless with athletes or non-athletes, there is a little bit of a sizing up assessment that's taken into consideration. And I would say after getting to know us for a few minutes, they, they learned that it's not this intense 
assessment that they're walking into, but it really is uh, an environment with someone who is genuinely curious of what it is that they would like to strengthen uh, in, in terms of whether their skills of their sport or other domains of their life. Like you're saying, as far as uh, multicultural being a, a, a cornerstone of the work that we do, we look at, okay, what are some of the things that we can do that might otherwise be barriers, whether if it is language, what if it's time, access to different resources because of finances or because of region. And that's really helping us to strengthen our conceptualization, especially during this time of the quarantine, because it's encouraged us to think a little bit more outside the box in terms of what can be helpful. And so what I, I get excited about is that, like the athletes, this gives us an opportunity to challenge ourselves and to push ourselves in, 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 in areas of growth that we might not otherwise have had the experience and opportunity to do. Mm -hmm. That's true. And, and I, I just got done watching. I just, uh, you know, uh, another light bulb went off and um, watching a, a documentary called Soccer in the City, which talked a lot about I got, I'm a basketball player with three kids who only watch soccer. So that's, that's, the, that's the world I'm living in, Dr. Aaron. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you call that, some payback of some kind, but uh, you know, and, and soccer in the city was talking about this, this, you know, the inequity of being able to reach inner city uh, resources. So here we are, right. You know, you're just outside downtown LA, you know, how do we make sure that these sports psych services are not just reaching the, the pay for play families and the ones that just want to, you know, give them everything possible to, to give them the advantage and that we're reaching, you know, those who really most need the validation uh, and may not have tremendous resources. Well, uh, this is where I, I credit you. And once again, thank you for your willingness to have us in this atmosphere, because we understand that this is a platform that can extend reaches even beyond what we might have direct access to, especially at this day and time. And for Max, myself, and our other colleagues of our team, we prioritize looking beyond what is necessarily easily accessible. We want to continue to challenge ourselves to expand so that we don't have to have the other athletes or individuals who might be a little bit more restricted from access to try to do the legwork. We want to help not only meet them where they're at, we want to help expand the, the areas of support, whether psychologically, physically, mentally, mm -hmm. uh, so that uh, they know that we are here. And that's another reason why we're, we're so grateful for this day and time, because we might be able to present additional tools and resources that once again, uh, people might not otherwise even know about. And I'll, I'll just add briefly to that, you know, going tying that in with your original question too, which is that, you know, um, I think Dr. Smith would agree with this. I mean, we're in the connection business, you know, our whole purpose here is, is to make sure that we're making a strong connection with, with a human being. So um, that's for the lens that we look for and that we look through. And so when, when people come in, um, or, you know, regardless of their socioeconomic background or, or um, other variables that make up their identity, our whole interest is to, is to meet them where they're at and to see them for a human being and as a person, as a whole person first. And so that's why so much work is done up front in terms of rapport building and all the kind of basics in terms of, you know, um, therapeutic intervention, but just being, you know, a, a, a human being that someone's going to want to talk to and, and have, you know, be listened to. And so we work on building that alliance through just kind of being extremely present 
um, seeing them for who they are. And as Dr. Smith said, not just what they can do or what they can produce, because part of our, our feeling is that so many of these athletes throughout their life have been only solely valued, and I mean not only, but in many respects valued for um, production, right, or results or any type of thing that they can offer to an institution or to somebody else in their life. And so part of our uh, aim is to make sure that they know that we're there for them and that irregardless of what they do in terms of performance, even though ultimately we're working towards performance optimization, um, that's something that we care more about in terms of just making sure that their, um, their life and how they integrate into their own life is, is in a healthy way. And that's our, our main focus. Yeah, I'm hearing a lot about, you know, psychological safety and, and creating an environment uh, of trust and the fact that a client needs to really experience that in order to, to become more vulnerable because they're conditioned then that, that something's going to be expected to them and that they may need to come in and, and perform or um, be who you need them to be yes. uh, as well. Uh, I mentioned earlier, my focus always, Richard Listen's focus is always on the, you know, the clinicians, the experts out there doing the work as well. What motivates you, uh, Dr. Max? What, what sent you on this path of sports psychology, this, this wonderful growing field, this hybridization between, you know, helping people and the love of sports? Sure. Um, I think initially, you know, it starts with just the kind of basic groundwork of just in, being interested in psychology and just kind of being, um, excited about human stories, right? And kind of being excited about connecting with people first and foremost, and then being able to offer some support in any way that I could along the way. And I think that kind of took different iterations over time. Um, sports psychology was not the first thing that I entered into, um, but along with Dr. Smith, and it sounds like yourself, we were interested in, you know, substance use disorders, dual diagnosis, um, and also kind of I was more interested in just kind of being able to offer um, any kind of psychosocial support. But I think as time went on and I was able to work with athletes, particularly UCLA with NCAA, NCAA athletes, seeing the immense amount of pressure, seeing the immense amount of intensity that these athletes were dealing with in their life, seeing an underserved population in terms of uh, destigmatization and marginalization in terms of psychological um, concern. And I see a lot of similarities. I also did some work uh, in, you know, in, my, in my training through uh, the VA and whatnot. And so seeing some similarities between athletes and the militarization um, of self in terms of just kind of being able to produce and maybe losing some unique uh, identity as, as a person as in terms of oneness um, and kind of always working towards a larger goal and making sure that the individual themselves was being seen and being facilitated and fostered. Um, so I think that as I saw that combined with maybe some issues that arose in um, the way athletes were treated by maybe over-involved parents or coaches or other people in their life that kind of added uh, intense pressure again just in terms of the criteria that they could hit for always working towards the next thing in their life rather than kind of building the inner resources that was excited to work with athletes that was, <laughs> we, heard the we felt the passion we, we experienced yeah. the passion yeah. yeah i'm over here on the on the thing just going like this in my hands <laughs> part of the new zoom world we're in right, right. people start yeah. moving really fast or freezing <laughs> i need performance that, optimization with zoom. That, that's his secret he always leaves them wanting more I go. had a, uh, a sports psychologist on the show Monday, Dr. Uh, Ian O'Connor. If you gentlemen haven't heard him, uh, he um, created the performance psychology course for the great courses. If you guys get that catalog in the mail or now, it's probably just an email. But uh, so so he's like, you know, that's where they put you in what looks like a like 1900s, uh, early 1900s <laughs> university. And like, so it's like he's written the original course on sports psychology, but his 
microphone was freezing up. I think he oh, had no. to drive his child back to University of Michigan. So his, uh, but it was great. We were just like pausing it in between and hopefully it was seamless. We turned it into a performance psychology exercise. That's how right. you deal with the uh, interruption. Lesson in adaptability. <laughs> yes, exactly. So what we don't tell you, there's, there's no the disclaimer, is that you're going to have a series of tests <laughs> as a guest. Just kidding. Uh, so let's uh, shift to you, Dr. Aaron. Uh, you know, and I want, and, and we'll get Max will tell us later about his own basketball career or, or sports career and how that shifted his interests. Uh, for you, did, did uh, the interest in psychology and sports psychology start with your own sports career or was it from uh, you know, mentor or, or other figure? It's a little bit of a combination of both. Uh, I would say that sports actually helped me acclimate into even gathering some of my closest friends that I have even to today. Uh, and so having that structured uh, time to help bond was something that really resonated with me and it's carried over into my life now, like professionally, but also personally. And I think things were really solidified when I experienced my rupture of my Achilles. And I'm going to admit, I did not enjoy it at all. I did not. Mm -hmm. When it first happened, was not a fan. I got <laughs> angry. I was going through all the stages of grief from denial, like, no, this, this is not happening, to anger, why did this happen, to bargaining, uh, and, and then depression. So being realistic, it took you went through the whole wheel. You got to you got to know the whole Everything. wheel. Yes, uh, to get to a point where I can finally understand acceptance, and uh, that really shifted because it happened during my my first semester of my doctoral training, mm. Mm. and here I am learning interventions and then having to apply them, and so that it resonated in a different capacity. Uh, so definitely cultivated a lot. Of more empathy, I would say, to athletes, especially those who have suffered or sustained significant injury. What that did also did, did it interrupt your your schooling, or did it, did it affect? No, no. Uh, this is where ha having a good support system, mm -hmm. uh, because everyone's really said, "What would you like to do?" And no matter what you decide, we have your back. And having some really strong supports from professors, parents new classmates who became still to this day some of my closest friends mm. having a strong support network really solidified why it's so important to have a, a strong foundation uh, because sometimes the individual themselves may have difficulty accessing these reminders of resilience and that's what really was a I, I think reflected back to me is that i don't have to carry this all on my own and I've gone through some pretty significant points in my life that have I could also pull back and utilize in this moment to help me get through this form of adversity. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's what really helped uh, cultivate that for me. And then also getting more insight working with uh, my, my surgeon, who was the lead surgeon for the other athletes on campus. So I knew I was in good hands, so that helped quiet some of the anxiety within me, having competence as part of an effective team, uh, and also his use of bedside manner, incorporation of humor, giving me uh, timely feedback and giving me a, an outlook of this is what we're going to do, making himself available, say, if you've got questions, let me know. And so all the different ways in which he didn't know at this time, I was also soaking in and able to incorporate now with my interactions with athletes and my colleagues. 
Yeah, I mean that the fact that you can share from personal experience or at least you know empathize completely with every stage of disappointment all like you mentioned the entire the entire cycle of grief and I'm glad you mentioned grief because for a lot of athletes you hear that the injury is the first time they're not amongst the the 52 or the, yes, the yeah, 16 yeah. I mean you know being in the locker room is family yes uh and now you know your entire routine you know is is, is isolative so you have to figure out a new team <laughs> right 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 and and if that team like you said does not have bedside manners or care or is just uh constantly wanting to you know only do the mechanics of surgeries it, it can right. feel really cold and mirror a lot of painful uh life experiences and, and both you gentlemen there's kind of the overlap there with working with addictions right what leads mm-hmm. to you know the emotional part of pain what leads that to addictions in these populations of of athletes of veterans um is often this kind of psychosocial cutting off of feeling like mm-hmm. um you're a part of or uh you know experience a lot of the positive dopamine inducing emotions do you find that a lot of athletes with injuries are are, are coming to you and have turned to other ways of coping and are, are needing that help to to shift back once they, once they find the support of treatment? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, so I'd say predominantly a lot of the athletes that I see at UCLA are coming in uh, off the back of some kind of, you know, sports related injury. Um, you know, albeit whether, you know, what the, what the degree of injury might be. Um, I've had athletes that have career ending injuries and also, you know, kind of just more minor injuries, but still um, so impactful in terms of like the things you were saying in terms of isolation, in terms of feeling disconnected, um, in terms of feeling unheard and unseen, a lot of the kind of things that happen, I think, again, going back to the production of an athlete or what they can provide for the team or the greater good, um, a lot of athletes feel maybe at times disregarded or dismissed because they're not able to kind of do the sole thing that, that they were kind of either recruited or, or kind of asked to do. So um, there's a real loss of, of identity there. There's a, there's a loss of uh, self-confidence, self-esteem, self-efficacy, um, and feeling, again, other than kind of marginalized and not being valued. And so a lot of the work is so vital in terms of kind of restoring value and kind of taking that maybe down into a different direction, which maybe could be for some athletes the first time in their life that they've started to conceptualize themselves outside of just being an athlete and moving more towards, again, being a person or what kind of worth and value do they have as a human being. And so um, as, as you were just saying, as Dr. Smith was saying, also so much involved uh, in an injury situation beyond just the injury in terms of communication, in terms of proper information delivery, in terms of dispelling certain misinformation about an injury, um, you know, making sure that the coach, the trainer, everyone on the team is, is uh, again, in terms of is, is the continuity and the, con- and the congruences there amongst all providers. So because one of the things I've seen particularly is athletes getting different information from different people and feeling very discombobulated about what the trajectory is and what the timeline is. And when that type of information is muddied or or mired in kind of stagnant athletes, I think a lot of times feel very uncertain and uncertain and and unsure is not a place that uh, someone who's trying to optimize their performance wants to be. It seems like everyone these days is trying new workout systems. Some people go to the gym, others may run, but I've recently discovered a great in-home method that is absolutely amazing. 
I'm taking in-jitsu classes online where I'm being trained and pushed in real time by top MMA fighters straight from the octagon. Injitsu.com provides real-time classes so you can get a top-notch workout from the comfort of your own home. These classes are absolutely going to sell out. So head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class for free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. Protecting your child's teeth is important in any sport. That's why Impact Dental Designs has put so much thought into their state-of-the-art mouth guards, protecting athletes in youth sports, all the way up to advanced MMA fighters and champions. And the best part is you can customize your own design for your own creative and fun mouth guard. So head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash Richard Listens. And if you purchase now, you get a free customized design and 20% off your order. Yeah, we see it. We see it even right in the NBA right now, right? I mean, it right. came out like kind of with Kawhi, but I'm sure a lot of players. I, I you know, I'm at batting practice for a lot of baseball games. I'm missing that right now. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I heard a couple athletes in the outfield talking, and and you heard them like talking about, hey, you know, you can go get, you can go speak to this doctor. Like, you know, the whole process of where you can go if you're injured, and right. if you have to go with the team doctor, and do you have to follow what the team says at the collegiate level, right? They're paying your scholarship or professional and they're paying your whole livelihood. My question for you, you know, we often, we, we have strict rules as, as clinical uh, practitioners around privacy, around uh, the athlete controlling information. In your role in working around injuries, do, do the athletes ever ask for you to convey information to coaches or receive information from coaches to kind of, uh, make sure that the flow of information is uh, truthful or clear? How do you balance that? Sure. Um, yeah, that definitely does happen. And I think it's, you know, it's a person to person situation. And so um, first and foremost, my goal is confidentiality and to make a safe environment for them to discuss any issue that they need to discuss within the confines of the therapy room. And so um, I tell them upfront that that's my goal and I'm not going to reveal any information um, unless I have a release of information form specifically to talk to some type of other professionals. So um, we do convey that it, it, you know, we work in a treatment team. Um, but again, patient uh, uh, confidentiality is the most paramount and important uh, uh, issue there. So um, sometimes I do work with them if I feel like there needs to be greater levels of communication or I ask them, you know, is this something you would like some assistance with? Do you need some help with this? Some athletes feel a little bit more uh, agency in terms of, you know, communicating those, those things themselves, while other athletes feel like they would like someone in their corner to either be there in person, which I've done before um, with the treatment team and other, you know, doctors, coaches, trainers. Um, but some say, no, I just want this space to, to discuss this with you. I don't want you to kind of have any communication with anyone else outside that. And so when we ask, when we're asked, or I should say, I speak for myself, when I'm asked, um, you know, to convey certain information, I can convey information perhaps that the, the student is in therapy or is, is seeking services, but I don't dispel any other information um, besides that, just so they feel completely contained. Um, so it's very athlete specific and situation specific, but um, I do offer that option because uh, some athletes do want some kind of some kind of support um, in communicating those needs. Maybe Dr. Aaron, you can transition us into if you're if you're uh, willing. Uh, Want to of course get you know get towards the close of the show on specific to the quarantine strategies, but uh, maybe just since we're on the topic of of injury, 
Uh, what, what, you know, and, and if you're willing to, from your own experience, I know it's not always comfortable to go down these roads, but you know, what, what, what are the things that an athlete, right? Who's, who's had, I have players who've gone through, you know, uh, two ACL tears and they're looking, they're still wanting to play college. I mean, how, what are some coping uh, skills we can offer them uh, from home right now? People who are dealing with injury, um, you know, or recovery, what are some strategies that we can offer athletes who maybe are for the first time looking beyond their physical recovery and going, oh, there's some, there's some mental skills here that I could apply that might propel me to be ready, whether it's as a person outside of sport, right? I think you gentlemen really have highlighted development of the whole person is really the goal because athletic skills transfer into so many domains of life. Mm -hmm. and And I know they've made me, the human being I continue to be this day and being here with you gentlemen, but off that soapbox, uh, Dr. Aaron, you know, you, <laughs> your turn, <laughs> tell us what, 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 what do you feel? Um, you know, we'll, we'll start with injuries and then, and then we'll, we'll transition ourselves into dealing with the quarantine. Well, for me, I, I would say that not only in what I share with athletes, but also in my own practice, it, it took really finding space to express what was happening with me. So allowing myself opportunity to, to grieve and it, to understand what that even looked like for me, it really took time for me to be still and to check in to say what's happening with me. Understanding that it's okay for me to express my frustration. It's okay for me to express my isolation. It's okay for me to express confusion and even fear. And it doesn't make me weak like Dr. Max was saying earlier. But just to give myself an opportunity to express, because what I wanted to, to, to get to a point was, is not trying to avoid or suppress, which comes oftentimes what we'll see in sports. So people saying, oh, just, uh, you know, walk it off, don't talk about it, quiet it, uh, tune it out. And all, a lot of that is it's a lot of suppression. And I feel like that is counterproductive, especially when it's something so personal and maybe even first time experience. This is something new. And saying that I don't have to understand all the ins or outs or the why as to why it happened, but give myself an opportunity to get to a point, point where I can say, what, will I, what am I willing to do now? What can I provide today? So ultimately, rather than calibrating the ups and downs as far as specific emotions, it's learning how to respond and adapt. And so for me, the practice of mindfulness is really helpful. Uh, getting to a point where I can still experience being under pressure, but then utilizing my connection to my purpose and my inner, inner self to help me overcome adversity in this moment. So what that means is taking time to experience a quiet space, being connected to the present, non-judgmentally. Also monitoring what type of thoughts am I having? What are the internal dialogues I'm having? And helping to promote more adaptive and more compassionate uh, forms of self-dialogue or even self-coaching. Because that's something that I'm even working with athletes presently. It's like, how do we coach ourselves up in this moment? How do we coach ourselves into compassion in this moment? Because that not only helps with self-esteem, it helps with self-confidence and it helps us draw back into our competence, which is part of our resiliency. 
and it also can help us see what other areas can we control because not everything is going to be controllable as evidenced by the day and time we're in right now. However, we will always have a choice to how we want to respond. And by having more structured time to give ourselves permission to implement what we want our days to look like, whether if it's times of rest, times with family, times of continued engagement with our teams, our coaches, our, 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 or with ourselves, that is going to be more conducive than feeling at the whim of some external force. Yeah, I, I really, I really appreciate what you said. And the word stillness was something I was discussing this morning and really, I mean, I, I think that's going to, you know, after we hear from Dr. Max on injuries, you know, it's going to tie into how uh, my approach to how I've been trying to find that space for stillness within dealing with this quarantine within the roller coaster. But you both, uh, you know, you mentioned in your in your bios about working with mindfulness, and I know this this term has become, you know, more and more, uh, you know, useful in in athletic realms, uh, mindful based cognitive behavioral interventions. And, and what I heard you talking about was, you know, the recovery process that, that, that's often for athletes, there's just this we're always doing. We're either, you know, you know, tracking our calories or, or training or at a game or on a way back and forth. So all of a sudden having this new process, in a way, it's, it's challenging because we don't like to recover. We don't leave enough time for it, mm -hmm. probably uh, you know, from the outset, you know, as a younger athlete or high school or, or collegiate athlete is used to going on being able to perform without taking as much attention to rest. So in a way, you know, you're giving them a whole new process, but in a way, you know, does it give them some relief that you're giving them a new structure to replace the old one uh, that, that you're giving them these routines? Do you find that most athletes are receptive to, to, to mindful strategies at first? I think it's a mixed bag. Uh, some people might need a little bit more education around what this particular intervention really is. Uh, because yeah, there's, there's this conditioned engagement of, am I doing something right? Am I doing something wrong? Am I doing something enough? And so we try to look for these scalable benchmarks and it's different with mindfulness. It's really like you're saying, being still. It's like, I, how? Uh, <laughs> I do this, yes. Yeah. Yes. So it's a different, it's, it's getting, it's working a new, new type of muscle. And with any other type of strength conditioning, I would say it takes practice and it takes patience. You right. can't rush this. Right. And that is the intervention. Uh, because then hopefully that can also illuminate other things that are being carried, whether if it's stress, whether if it's fatigue, whether it's loneliness or disconnect, we then can help to uh, sort through and distinguish a little bit more of what else the mind and the body is carrying and not just over identifying and saying, oh, this is an injury. Right. Let's try to heal that because no, there's usually something else underneath that and in connection with that. Right, how, right. How the impact of the athlete on that particular, what did it mean? What's the significance? Yes. Uh, was the, the level of importance being placed on the, the sport or on or even contributed out? to the injury. Mm -hmm. Right. How many athletes said, well, didn't they tell you not to get right? How did we hear that message of maybe we were told to recover and slow down? Yes. You know, 
I know for myself, you know, even in doing clinical work, when I worked with uh, crisis response, it was like, as soon as the fire alarm went off, I was down the pole until <laughs> right. you realize, right, that you're, you know, you, you, you work in crisis, you, you become a crisis. Right. <laughs> right. You know, so, so, so Max, you, you work uh, with CAPS as well at UCLA with, with student athletes? I do. Yeah. Yeah. It's my primary thing is at CAPS with general student population and also student athletes. Yes. So how, you know, maybe was, we can transfer into, since we want to make sure we, we cover the, you know, the deal with the quarantine and COVID, how are, you know, athletes and students in general managing right now? Are they reaching out more frequently? Right. Uh, are the concerns similar to being in an injury transitional period uh, or are they entirely different? And, and, and how, how can we help these individuals wherever they may be right now listening and tuning in? Um, yeah, you know, it's interesting you said that, you know, like an injury. I mean, this is, in a sense, an injury to uh, all people, right? Because um, there's, there's a loss of something, right? And they, as we've been talking about today, grief and kind of um, mourning in certain ways, right? The mourning or the loss of, of normalcy or regimentation or discipline um, or just, you know, basic human contact um, and feeling very isolated and, and withdrawn. And so... Um, you know, different students and, and different uh, clients are handling it obviously differently. But I think one of the main things that comes up is just this kind of loss of um, a semblance of kind of, you know, routine through a day to day, right? Because as, as human beings, we're used to routine and we're, we're used to kind of doing things similarly. Um, and we kind of function that way. And we like the familiarity of those things. So um, a lot of it is kind of helping students get comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, and is also uh, helping students kind of adapt in this way to kind of the new idea of you know, being flexible and that things aren't going to look the same as they were previously. And so part of that is also, as we've mentioned before, establishing and stepping into their role of, you know, kind of advocating for themselves of their new routine and how do you create that, right? So um, one of the things, not just with athletes, but with, with uh, students and clients all over is kind of what does that actually look like tangibly in your day? Um, you have the opportunity, right, to control certain things about your day and your life. And um, there's certain things that you can't control. So obviously, let's focus on the things that we can do in the here and now, as Dr. Smith was talking about mindfulness and being present focused, um, and not focusing so much on the unknown, which is going to kind of breed catastrophizing or anxiety, uh, or is going to kind of breed more kind of jumping to conclusions and all these other cognitive distortions that get people down kind of a, a darker path. And so um, it's what, what did you do? A lot of questions, what did you do today, right? Who did you reach out to? Um, who did you talk to? Did, is, is it something that's scholastic and academic? Did you get in touch with your professors um, all the way over to um, how did you take care of yourself today? What did you specifically do? Did you shower? Did you eat, right? What's your diet like at this time? I mean, you know, I, I'm speaking from experience. I know what it's like to have a uh, crazy diet in the quarantine. <laughs> so, I mean, how are you actually taking care of yourself in a very specific basis um and also going you know animal assisted therapy right do you have a dog do you have a cat i mean do you have plants that you take care of i mean you know very 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 specific in terms of what is your specific day-to-day -day look like and sometimes people because there's so many other things to worry about and be concerned about um kind of get overwhelmed and they don't and that that kind of sympathetic nervous system response puts them in that fight or flight space where they're not really kind of able to focus on oh yeah i didn't Actually, I, I got up at 12. That's unusual for me. Now I feel like the half the day shot. I, I haven't done anything. And now that kind of snowballs and takes that momentum into I didn't do anything. Maybe it doesn't really matter what I'm doing. And, you know, now we can kind of have this kind of cascading uh, event of kind of maladaptive thoughts. So um, for the athlete, it's very routine based and exercise based and kind of focusing on staying in touch with trainers and coaches and, uh, and other performance elements in their life to make sure that they're maintaining um, what they can do in their own time 
um, and being ready to kind of come back whenever this thing kind of resolves itself. But um, yeah, it is an injury, uh, an emotional one for most people um, to be in this situation. Wow, that was uh, that was just so well said. I heard you know three major things. You know, loss. Really been talking about loss, and um, you know I've been asked to speak to Maccabi International Player Athletes mm -hmm. on dealing with the loss season, and you know it's just not something. I, you know, I lost my father a year ago. You know, he got he lived a good, healthy life, but you know, loss is just not something we're prepared to go through if you haven't been through it before. Right. Uh, you know, the first thing as psychologists we start talking about when when has this happened before in history? Right. right? It's not like we could. <laughs> when was the NCAA tournament canceled? I mean, oh, this is like. Right. Just, Brutal. We're searching for, for it, you know, it's, it's in a way it's a new day, but it, there's no metaphor. There's no time to, to look to. So there is a lot of um, confusion and, and need to look within yourself and, and find new places of quiet and stillness uh, within. So I like that you highlighted uh, loss, um, uh, the, you know, well, Sorry, my own story got me my own amygdala hijack there. But, uh, you know, the fact that there's there are individual trainers to keep you. I've seen a lot of uh, Zoom chat, Zoom workouts, mm -hmm. people, you know, keeping some keeping prepared was really right. was, was one of the second things you mentioned there about whenever this whenever your season or whenever you can return. Uh, and, and, and you may have not mentioned it, but the third thing, which I heard was a great suggestion, was you know, having fun, developing a new relationship to your yep. sport, you know, where, where it's fun, maybe you cannot go and, um, you know, do every element of your sport, but maybe you can um, create some games around your house. You know, I started thinking about like stoop ball and handball and, you know, <laughs> ways of interacting in your environment where you're still, you're still mobile and you're still competing, uh, but it's, it's fun and it's yeah. uh, getting away from that thought of, right what am i not doing or what am i doing wrong like we said this kind of inner critic that wants to show up uh, because right you're not in the weight room and you're not i mean especially the higher level the athlete the greater level of uh, expectation and pressure absolutely I'll, I'll, i'm gonna say something real quick and i'm just kick it over to aaron which is that i mean i think what you said i think is something that i talk to my athletes and students about a lot which is just the this is an opportunity as well you know um yeah. it's very strange and unprecedented time and there's it's very easy to get to a place of being depressive about it and and it's highly understandable and having a lot of anxiety about it super understandable um, but once we acknowledge that, then we need to move to a place of when else, like you said, when else in the time has this ever happened, which is, it's kind of a pause button, right? I mean, that's, that's very unique in terms of the frenetic hectic pace that most people live their lives, especially athletes. And so um, I've been talking to them about, you know, this is an opportunity. And I think that ties into, last thing I'll say, that ties into what the mindset of a champion is like, which is to see challenges and see them as opportunities and to seek those things out in order to kind of facilitate uh, immense growth. So um, that's something I just usually try to convey. Um, but yeah, I kicked the Aaron, yeah. Yeah, and just to piggyback off something that you both uh, expressed, trying to, to do our best to normalize and not try to over talk, like we know exactly what we're doing 100% <laughs> in this scenario also. This is new for everybody. And so everyone is trying to do the best they can. And with that, Incorporate moments to play, mm -hmm. have fun. There's a reason why we're watching horse 
on ESPN. There's a reason why I'm watching video <laughs> games being played by professional athletes. Yeah, like what? What is that? Like, there's some gaming matchup. There's a professional. I'm like, what, what am I watching? Do I know him? <laughs> and what an opportunity that is! Yeah, seriously. I think it's a great reminder that even professional athletes are making time, using this as an opportunity to re-engage with their own families and re-engage mm -hmm. with other friends or former teammates across the league now and still have fun with each other. Mm -hmm. Like this doesn't have to be such a pressurized experience and feeling like we're not doing enough. Coming back to the part of stillness and remind ourselves, yes, we are enough. And maybe right now, everything that we, we get to do is, is part of the gift of this time. It's unprecedented and it's still available. How do we want to make the most out of the time that we have? You guys nailed this. You guys are professional interviewers. Uh, you know, stillness, quietness, play, as someone who works with somatic experience, you know, there's just, you know, you mentioned earlier, Dr. Max, a sympathetic nervous system, right? This, the, the idea that we're always under stress, we're always priming, you know, and there's certain things, whether it's athletes that pour over to the clients that I see. I know it's the Pre-Pro Institute deals with high performers, doctors, lawyers, uh, people in the entertainment industry, right? There's a lot of crossover there that, uh, I want my listeners to, you know, that you may be feeling this as well. It's not just for athletes Correct. and that we, we often talk about these opportunities. I feel like sometimes a broken record about finding these moments within yourself to create play and to create space. So mm -hmm. it's really hard to do that when you're working 60 hours and you're racing in your car in LA traffic. So <laughs> I do want to highlight, you know, we're not just using cliche to say this is an opportunity. I mean, it, it, there are things, you know, op opportunities that are looked to history, uh, whether you read stories about, you know, people who've survived, uh, you know, Holocaust and, and things where people were able to find, you know, look at Viktor Frankl, Life Search for Meaning, people who survived oppression or periods where they could not uh, access freedom, that it came from, you know, what, what ways did they find creativity? What ways did they find meaning? How did they find purpose? Uh, so there's a stillness is an opportunity really to develop a relationship uh, with ourselves in a new way and, and hopefully build skills that we take uh, outwards. Gentlemen, which uh, resources, uh, before we sign out and tell people how they can find and connect with you further, are there mindful resources or tools that you're recommending right now? I know Headspace has some free accounts, ways that people could initially experience or experiment with mindfulness if what we're saying is a, a Greek language right now. Sure. Um, yeah, I'll just say real quick. Um, I think a couple of good things you mentioned headspace. Um, Dr. Smith also is, a, is an advocate of calm the app calm. Um, I think I'm also an advocate of, of YouTube. <laughs> There's just so much stuff on YouTube in terms of mindfulness and some really high quality things that are, are, uh, you know, done by uh, significant professionals. Um, so if you're just also very just new to it, um, I think a good read is also really important, right? Anything by John Kabat-Zinn, um, or also Eckhart Tolle, um, which is a really nice intro to kind of just, you know, the power of now and just the kind of um, elements of present focus and, and uh, general mindfulness. So um, I think those are some good reads. Um, I'll let Aaron say other things about apps if he, if he knows other ones. But um, I think also just guided meditations on YouTube, just for a very basic overview, is, is super useful. Yes. Thank you for mentioning that, yeah. And just to piggyback, uh, a couple other books, Mindset by Carol uh, Dweck is a good resource, uh, along with Grit by Angela Duckworth, uh, two other resources that I'd recommend in addition to the apps. And on top of that, I, I think it's important to not only take information in, 
but also having opportunity to have a release. And so I often recommend to athletes and non-athletes getting a gratitude journal, mm -hmm. uh, finding opportunities to reflect on your day, your present moment, and identifying a few things, even in the day-to-day, -day, in which you're grateful for, because that helps breed the growth mindset as well, and will help solidify some of this new information, whether through calm, whether through headspace, that you are also learning. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that about gratitude in the journal, you know, um, without getting too far into it, this month has been event, uh, eventful, and I, I try and be transparent as the one area where I can be a little bit more self-reflective than in my own private practice. But I spent the month, thank goodness, I had a fever for, for five days oh, no. uh, oh, when God. recovering was was so weak. Uh, so I don't know, it could have possibly been uh, related to Corona, but I was so weak mm -hmm. that I uh, hit my elbow on the fireplace and rolled my ankle. So I went to a point where I, could, I couldn't move, really couldn't move. And the only thing I could do, I can sit in my backyard, which has... Uh, grass and lemon trees and uh, you know we talked about last week the quality of air quality in LA was the best in the world I think for a couple of days last week <laughs> yes that's incredible and the, the you know through all that frustration and uh, you know whatever that was the experience of being really quiet and still uh, was was a gift and and it really gives you a basic appreciation for your body balance being able to do basic uh, movements, uh, the ability, like, I, I'm glad Dr. Max went, you know, vintage with, you know, picking up paper books, right? Not everything's an app these days. You don't have to go for the, there's a million apps. Feels good to have those pages in your hand. And, uh, you know, there is a lot of information and, and confidence that comes from being able to read and take in new information and just noticing all the appreciation, all the people that uh, reached out to me and checked in daily. Mm -hmm. So like you said, you know, connect with who's really there in your support system yes. or, you know, who, who do you trust and can build that trust upon and this opportunity to come together like we are today to create, to keep bringing resources together so that we can offer more uh, to the world in whatever realm uh, you particularly, you know, work within. So if you're an athlete and, and, you had a teammate you didn't check in with, right? This might right. be an opportunity to show leadership and go down the roster and uh, you know, make that part of your weekly commitments or routines, just, just to connect and build in a whole new way. I was gonna say, we all need each other, right? So we all need each other, yeah. It kind of highlights that for, you know, very intensely um, is the need for a connection. And like you just said, if, you know, reach out, you know, and as Dr. Smith said to reach out too, it's not just what you can take in, but also what you can provide and what you can give. Um, and, you know, a lot of obviously a lot of research out there on, on how uh, giving and giving back and volunteering and helping really uh, is, is good altruism is good for happiness. So that's something that's going to keep in mind. That's right. And, and, and just to tie it back before you guys say goodbye, back to Tarzana Treatment Center, the one major oh, yeah. thing I took away from there, I was really amazed in, in being a postdoc and, and uh, you know, I had not been homeless and been, in, you know, on the street or or, or suffered from the addictions that a lot of uh, you know these individuals are coming in with, but I was amazed the AA group on the inpatient detox unit with a gentleman who was running it who probably had no post high school schooling, but he had 25 years of addiction and recovery, and that his AA group, you know, I love being a fly on the wall because they were helping each other. You could be two days in to your recovery and have something you could say to somebody else that could 
you know, create meaning and connection. So, uh, you know, I, I took a lot from that. And you also see veterans on those units, um, you know, creating family. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Please let us know how can we contact you, stay in touch with you. How can our, our, our listeners learn more about PrePro and uh, your wonderful approaches and gifts? I would say probably the most immediate direct way is to check out our website. It's uh, preproinstitute.com. Uh, and we also uh, are trying to do as best we can to put up new content information because we'd like to disseminate as many resources and tools and support as we can. So that would probably be our first uh, and most direct way of getting in touch with us. Also, uh, Max has been doing a great job uh, maintaining our IG. Uh, our IG handle is UCSMed. Uh, and so feel free to check out updates also on Instagram. Uh, Max, is there anything I'm forgetting? Um, you can also check out, we have another website as well, which is the UCSMed.com as well. Um, and you can also, uh, our, our general email contact is uh, info at uh, preproinstitute.com. Um, so you can also send us an email. And, uh, but as Dr. Smith said, uh, website's probably the, the, the best way to get in contact with us. And um, you gave me, I got to get back on the horse with the IG. So I'm going gonna, gonna to go post after this, I think. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. It's kicking in. You're not doing enough. No, not man. Enough yeah, I, I use my quarantine way better. <laughs> <laughs> well, gentlemen, well, thank you so thank much. You yeah, yeah, thank you thank guys. You. And, and we're going to be doing some panels and different things on different topics for athletes. Like I mentioned, retired athletes. And uh, if you're available, uh, we can draw on your expertise further. Yes. Capitalize on your, uh, your, your, your isolation. But uh, on behalf of Dr. Max and I, Richard, we want to say once again, thank you for this opportunity. And not just for this morning, we want to also thank you for all of uh, your hard work that you're putting into this, given even your immediate impact uh, with the past several weeks, we want to say thank you for your continued efforts. We genuinely appreciate it. And on behalf of your listeners, uh, as, as much as you can continue to take care of yourself as part of taking care of us, we appreciate that as well. Thank Amen. you. Thank you for that opportunity. It's a great reminder. And uh, I found walks, uh, the gift of reading, and like we mentioned, the gift of stillness, that, that these were things that I really loved even back as a high school athlete. And so it's interesting as we look about, you know, becoming pro in whatever realm we're in, uh, how we move away from certain things that are core to us. So yes. I plan on uh, getting some of that time out in the, in the, in the garden today, uh, a walk and maybe a 30 minute stretch or yoga. So, so yeah. thank you for, for reminding me of the self-care routines still need to be present and check out my Patreon page, patreon.com slash Richard listens. And as always, you can follow me uh, in my blog and travel guest insights on Facebook and Richard Listens uh, and uh, Instagram at Richard Listens. So you get the theme. Look forward to hearing from you, interacting with you. Take care, everybody. I'm Richard Listens, and I'm out. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard.
Lastly, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the session. I've personally taken a few of these classes and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion and with a drenched shirt. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. Take care, everyone.